Happy New Year, everybody, from Effect Podcast, from Matthew and Dave. Uh, this is episode 148. I am Fortune's Fool. Uh, as I said, I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew. And uh, we've got a packed programme for you this New Year's Day. How dedicated are we? We spent all night, going right the way through midnight, editing this to get this out for you to enjoy. Uh, <laughs> no, we didn't. We did it the day before, <laughs> in the morning. Welcome to 2021 anyway, everybody, assuming that we both make it the next, yes. no, the next 18 2021. hours. 2021, it's going to be a better <laughs> year than 2020, but we're going to be reviewing uh, the year 2020 in this episode. I've got an interesting new mechanic for, that's been buzzing around in my head, and honestly, the only reason we're talking about it here is it was stopping me getting on with the job that Dave actually wanted me to do. So I've written it down. I'm going to say it. And then it's uh, done. I was just, go, I was just going to say to it's... Tales of the Old West. I'm not, I'm not sure it's for you to decide whether it's interesting or not. So It is interesting. <laughs> Believe me, it's interesting because it's been bugging my head for all this time. Well, lots but of th- I, lots I'll let you have an opinion on it later. I think lots of things buzz around in your head all the time. It doesn't mean they're interesting, does it? <laughs> <laughs> not the one, certainly not to the rest of us anyway. Well... I think they're interesting, um, and we shall see. Uh, it's an, I, I think it, it was an interesting case study about um, how you might adapt the Year Zero engine to a setting of your choice. Yes. Um, so we can talk a bit more about that at the appointed time, Dave. <laughs> and then after we've done that bit and we've talked about it, um, we're going to look forward to the rest of this exciting new year 2021 and yeah. the things that are happening then and then that will be the end of our program and we'll say uh something about what we might be planning in three weeks time indeed sounds good before that though we do have a new patron to thank Woo! and i think it's amazing isn't it uh for the vast majority of this year, every single episode, we've had new patrons to thank. And I thought as we were heading into Christmas, you know, people are thinking about other stuff and maybe budgeting for the new year. And maybe they've spent a bit too much on Christmas. This might be the first episode in a while that we got no new patrons to thank. But then, friend of the show, John Salquist, <laughs> uh, stepped up to the mark and joined the Patreon. So, John... Thank you very much yes, for joining the patron. Thank you, John. Welcome. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, and I mean, welcome it's, aboard. Yeah, it's remarkable, uh, isn't it? I mean, actually, you know how lucky we are to get such wonderful support from such a lot of people. Um, that, as you say, we've—I can't remember when we had the last episode where we we weren't thanking somebody for their support. Um, so again, again, just a—I know we thank people a lot, but I think just to recognise how much we really appreciate all the support everybody gives us. And we really do. And uh, I write a little note as each person joins a patron, and I kind of almost say the same thing in every little note, which is, I think you and I would agree, um, it's not about the money as much as it is about people actually just appreciating what we do. Well, it's that, absolutely. But it's also, um, you know, about all the, you know, these people are wonderful, lovely people, and they are becoming friends you know so it's all mm-hmm. about about friendship and community and you know there are there are people that that we've met through through our patron who've been generous enough to support us who are who are now our friends and will remain yeah, our friends yeah. regardless of whether they continue to support us or not 
Hold um, on, hold on, though. This feels <laughs> like we're getting into spoiler territory for our review of the year 2020. Does it? Yeah, because I think we've we've formed closer relationships with our patrons in 2020 than we've ever done before. Because, well, because I think we only started. <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> yeah, well done. You know, maybe we'll edit that ridiculous comment out. Um, uh, no, actually, I don't think I think I think the pension has been going for longer than the year, but but okay. we have uh, we've done things like two uh, patron exclusive conventions. Yeah, we've yeah. played a lot more games with our patrons, uh, and so I think I think that's why we should be talking about it in a little while. No, that's that's, in, that's, in, that's fine. In, well, about now actually, because the next thing on our schedule is a review of twenty twenty. Yes, and and the one thing don't worry, we um, Matt wanted to, but I said no, we're not going to do a favourite patron. Um, of the year <laughs> patron of the year yes. <laughs> and then suddenly every other patron leaves straight away no um, they're all the winners in that category if that doesn't make you yes. want to puke by saying that but it's true yeah yes let's, yes. Mo- let's move um, on shall we before we let's say move something. on quickly so uh, for our review of 2020 I thought we might have an award ceremony <laughs> we might hand out um, Marvel Comics used to award people who spotted continuity errors and things a marvellous no prize, which was not a prize. So I thought we might hand out similar <laughs> no trophies uh, to all the favourite things that happened this year and maybe the people or the companies behind them. What do you, what do you say to that, Dave? <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds fine, I think. Uh, yeah. Good idea. Okay, Let's... and um, but I will say that uh, the Academy panel hasn't actually met to discuss who wins these um, no trophies. So it may be that um, you'll hear that discussion happening live as uh, Dave and I um, argue over who should win. But Dave, <laughs> uh, let's start with a simple one. Um the year 2020 has brought us all online a lot more than previously. So, what is our favourite online tool? <laughs> so, I was trying to resist, but no. My favourite online tool is you, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cracked that joke before, I know, before but, we started recording. But, it's less funny now. No, no, it's still equally funny to me. Um <laughs> Uh, favorite online tool. So I, as as listeners will know, I'm I'm not a great sort of great fan of VTTs. Uh, I've I've obviously run a few, well, I haven't run a few games. I've played in a few games that have uh, been run on Roll Twenty. So I'm not I'm not widely experienced in them. I, I, I favorite online tool. Uh, I guess I mean I quite like Zoom. I hate to say it. Um, Zoom works pretty well, and it allows you to have a background without a green screen, which StreamYard doesn't allow us to do. It's um, uh, so I think there's a, I think there's a there are two ends of the scale here for me. So you've got the functionality that something like Roll Twenty or Foundry will give you, which will give you a really nice looking map. It'll give you fog of war, all that kind of stuff. Um, it'll allow you to move tokens as players, which is quite good. But then sometimes the actual sort of what's the the overhead of using that kind of takes away from the actual game. Now that on the 
on the other end of the scale, you've got Zoom or StreamYard, where what we do is is just share the share the map, screen shares, which works fine. But it still it doesn't allow the players to interact with the map to say, oh, what's what's around this corner, um, and also we've got the the issue that we always find both of us have found that you end up. Um, moving a cursor on a map that the players can't see and saying, oh, yes, if you go here and you look there and they go, no, can't see what you're doing. So, yes, you know, yes, that's, that's my that's my great fault. So, is, I, um, so I want somewhere I'm in the middle. I'm looking at the screen with the map on on the Zoom or the StreamYard, waving my cursor over that, whereas I need to go back to the shared. The actual one you're sharing. The shared yeah, window, exactly. Wave yeah. my cursor over that. So, but so that think- is a minor inconvenience for the literally hours of gaming that zoom has given us this year in 2020 yeah absolutely and to be honest i think um we've played more games than we and spent more hours playing games this year when we haven't been able to meet each other than we have ever done before in any previous year yeah oh yeah i think no arguably when we were at school and we used to meet every saturday um, well, even no. I mean, arguably, I would say I've probably done more gaming this year than I have in any year previously in my whole life because yeah. I've been I've been playing one at least one game a week, if not two, sometimes around the conventions, three or four, and even at the best of times previously, we'd have a weekly game down the pub that might not always happen, and then we would meet up every couple of months. So I think, yeah. without doubt, I've had more gaming this year thanks to online tools like like zoom uh, and, and i think up. zoom then is going to be our winner for this uh this first one of our no trophies i think so um, um, sad and boring as that might be it's uh i think it's it's been it's been the enabling tool that has allowed us to do a lot of this stuff and do it reliably and and well without it being more painful than uh, than actually pleasant yeah i think that's the key thing you know we didn't have to think about it we kind of went Oh, should we do something online? Our yeah. patrons have just subbed this Zoom subscription. Let's give that a go. Oh, we can stream it too. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Let's <laughs> yeah. just do it. Yeah. The thought process was that complex. Uh, <laughs> so I am going to see if we've got in the audience Eric Yuan, who is the CEO of Zoo. Would you come to the stage? <laughs> no. 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 He's not here and he hasn't sent us a video. So, uh, so we're just going to have to... Uh, put that no trophy to one side and send it to him later in, uh, in the yes. day. <laughs> right. Next category. Next category. Streamed session of the year. Mm, go on then, Matthew. Mm. Yeah, we've played a lot of sessions. We have. We? And so I thought it might be worth thinking, what's, what's the most fun session that we've played? Oh, we may have or played or run, I guess this could be. And think, we may have two very distinct and individual answers for this. Yeah, and I, I was handing over to you to give us your answer. Oh, right. And you wanted me to go first. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my favourite stream session of the year, he says he desperately trying to think of which one it is. <laughs> I knew Zoom. I knew Zoom. I was I was entirely happy with just saying that straight away. Um, I've had so many good sessions. Um Okay, first of all, Dave, the, my favourite session of the year isn't a streamed one. So that kind of, um, but I just need to say it. Okay. I so enjoyed the last session that we played face-to-face of um, 
um, the Eye of the Rose, what do we call it? A ruby for Crocker in Forbidden for, Lands. Forbidden Lands, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we played that, uh, luckily, face-to-face in the tiny window of opportunity we had <laughs> yeah. to meet face-to-face and round the table. Um, so, yeah, that that's my favourite session of the year. My favourite streamed session of the year, though, I'm going to put that down to not one, but all the games that I played with Millie the GM as GM, and she ran The Last Voyage of Ghazali, and I played with Millie, of course, as a patron of ours. Uh, we played with two other patrons as well, with Thomas and with um, and with Nicholas. And, yeah, I just had so much fun <laughs> playing that short campaign, in a way, but um, at the beginning of, uh, or the prequel to Mercy of the Icons. Hilarious. Really enjoyed it. What was, what was good about it? What, what made it stand out? Well, I think I, I think the thing that really made it stand out was um, in prep, in Discord beforehand, we were kind of imagining what our characters would be. And I think it was Thomas who said, um, you know, we could be like journalists. And I remember going, um, oh, oh, but we don't want to be, because, you know, I, I've been doing a lot about the factions on this programme and we know that the bulletin is just a mouthpiece of the of the uh, 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 the Zenithians and, um, you know, it's propaganda machine. It's not real journalism. Mm-hmm. So I said something like that. Um, but I just read in Mercy of the Icons 2 uh, about, there were a couple of quotes, sort of sidebar box out quotes, from the Red Spider News Network. So I went, oh, 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 we could be Red Spider News Network um, journalists. Mm-hmm. And so we we just built on that. And Millie did this amazing sort of credit sequence for every show that that was like a news broadcast on the Red Spider News Network. All the branding mm. was Red Spider then. That did uh, look so very that, good. Yeah, that looked good. I think that made it fun. And so, you know, and that just helped us get into character. And I think we really got into character um, to, Thomas and I, particularly, as uh, we played the first session without Nicholas, he hadn't been able to make that one. Um, and I, I think there's a real bonding there between our characters mm-hmm. um, that uh, I'd love to play them again at some point, but I don't know that we ever will. Mm. Maybe they'll appear in um, as NPCs in my camp in in the next part of Most uh, <laughs> of the, the Icons. icons okay, like cool. Um, so yeah, mm. that was my favourite. Cool. I think. Okay, I think my what was your favourite stream session. My my favourite. I think there's probably two of them. I mean, I've loved every session I've been involved with, both as a player and as a GM. I think there's. I'm trying to separate because we're going to talk about con games in a moment. I think so. I'm going to try to separate out as far as I can. But I I think my favourite ones were again down to. Um, the character I was playing and the characters of the other players. And that was my character of Magnuson in Versa. Ah. Now, um, despite the GM, that was such a good... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I think you'll find, because of the GM, those <laughs> scenarios are so good. But um, no, I mean, I so, think actually so, because of the players... So, uh, so, so I think the, the, ga- the game itself really encourages... Kind of between the lines, almost. I mean, the, the the push mechanic encourages good role playing, but just the the very sense coming off the page really encourages 
you know, role playing more than other games do. And I love I love playing Magnus, and I had a really good idea for the character based on uh, a, a wonderful character played by uh, Victor Garber in Frasier, and I just love the whole idea of that. And the fact that the others got into it too as well, and uh, you know, sort of played off my butler. Um, yeah, it was it was brilliant, and it was a great group of players. And as you say, I felt the characters bonding, even when I shot Millie's character trying to save her life rather than trying to kill her. That you know, that was all part of it. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think yeah, those, those two. Are... I will save her life by shooting her in the head. Yeah, <laughs> by nicking her with a bullet. I wasn't trying to shoot <laughs> her in the head, and it worked. She but you might... did nick her in the head with a bullet. I know, but it was a nick, and it did save her <laughs> life. So, uh, now, so I think for me, um, playing Versant in in those games was probably my favourite streamed experience this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's uh, that's a very worthy um, worthy thing. And but who? I guess in the way, then the 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 no trophy has to go to one common factor between those two. <laughs> uh, and that's either me as a GM or player or Millie, I should suggest. So yeah. this no trophy... We're not, is... allowed, we're not allowed to award trophies to ourselves, Matthew. So. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> well, it has to go to, has, ha, we'll have to go to Millie then. Uh, so Millie, Millie, the GM, sorry, we know you can't be with us today either at the moment of recording. Maybe we'll get you on for another chat later on because she was quite a good interviewee as well, wasn't mm. she? Oh, yeah, there? very good, yeah. But we, we, I am I am now sending this snow trophy through the ether to you to take pride of place on your mantelpiece. <laughs> right. Cool. Next one. Favourite so- con game of the year. Now, this, I, I guess we should explain, this is because... Uh, We've participated in a number of the virtual cons, but I think really we put this category down because we ended up running two patron-exclusive uh, mini-cons, I guess you could mm. call them. COVID-con, first of all, in the early days when... Um, back in April, yeah. Back in April, when uh, uh, before before COVID ceased to be a kind of laughing matter, and then <laughs> we changed the name to Connect uh, about six months after that for one in October. Yeah. Of those sessions that you ran or you played, which was your favourite? Of those ones? Wow, okay. Um, I'm trying to or, remember. Or possibly some of the other ones that we've done for, um, you know, we did some for uh, uh, Essen and yeah. did some so, for Dragon Meat. So, and so overall, they've done quite a lot. Now, for Connect, um, I, did, uh, I did Home Sweet Home for the first one. And I'm trying to remember, what did I play in for the second one? I played in something. I don't think I ran anything for the second one. Oh, my brain. Mm. My brain is ter- dreadful. Um, oh, our least favourite online tool, by the way, is Warhorn, which is how we tried to organise yeah. the second one. And I yes. would look up and see, you know, check what you'd played in, but I can't do that because of the inadequacies of Warhorn. So, um, <laughs> so sorry, can't help you there. Yeah, yeah, Warhorn was rubbish. Um, well, I didn't even try it, actually. I couldn't get in and it was... Yeah. Um, so I was, but I was going to choose um, a moment rather than maybe a whole game, but um, a whole game that was perhaps defined by a moment. When I That's ra- good. When I ran um, uh, Hope's Last Hand for, um, for um, UK Games Expo, I think it was, or was it Gen Con? It might have been for Gen Con. I ran two at Gen Con. Um, and that, that was the game uh, from the, the Three Last Hopes. That was one of the ones that, that you wrote. 
and it's all about the um, uh, a gang of people at Hadley's Hope hoping to use the crisis as cover to do a heist to steal oh yes steal the goodies from the casino which is the the company run casino that they obviously lose their wages to and um, it's 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 a great little scenario the players really got stuck into it and it had such a good moment um, where they were in the casino they were succeeding in in what they were doing and then at the very last moment um, Chris uh, who's known as Chevy online from Alien vs Predator Galaxy who was one of my players decided to turn on the jukebox, rattle a door, jump out of the window <laughs> as the aliens came in through the doors and kill everybody else. And it was a, lo- <laughs> it was a lovely little moment. Um, and that, that, that game was really well done. The players were great, really got stuck into it. And um, that ending was just... There was just a really great cinematic moment when suddenly the, um, uh, the jukebox started to play. Or they could hear the... as the jukebox was putting the record in the right place. And then the music led. So I think for me, that was probably my favourite con game of the year, kind of defined by, by that moment. But I, as I said, I've loved every game that I've, I've been involved with. But, so it's very difficult to pull one out. But I think that one maybe just, just edges it for me. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, like you, I think it's difficult to pull one out. Uh, particularly, you know, when you're... Um, uh, so I, you chose one that you ran. So I'm going to to select uh, one or maybe two it's hard uh, <laughs> that I played in and uh, I think they both go back to our first con to COVID con um, uh, and I played in two and it so uh, one that was really good fun and again lots of role playing and I was really playing the villain of the piece and I just loved that and it was pretty mm-hmm. dark. It started off as a kind of comedy-ish sort of thing about a works outing, uh, a sort of team-building exercise in Simba Room of, of all the world. Oh, yes. You might do a team-building exercise. <laughs> and it was run by our patron, Guru Phil. Um, and that was, that was a load of fun. But you know what? I'm sorry, Guru. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to hand you the no trophy for this one. I'm going to hand the no trophy to Toby. Um Toby's game wasn't as much fun, but it was something that I think is really important in con games. It was an opportunity for me to try something I hadn't tried at all. And Toby ran Red Markets for us. Mm. So I think in terms of my most memorable con game, as it were, it was that new experience of learning about Red Markets and the world of Red Markets and... I think we both died in it, and I don't think there was any sense of victory. Uh, there were some great scary moments. Um, the zombies in Red Markets are pretty damn dreadful zombies, let me tell you that. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, and dreadful in a horrific way, not in a they're not very good zombies. <clears throat> I mean, you know, they're not uh, they're not very moral zombies by any means. They do just want to eat your brains, but um, but yeah. Uh, Red well, markets. That's, that's what zombies and, do, though, isn't and it? And so. Toby, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go for there for my favourite con game. Okay, that, that's cool. And uh, so I think do we do we have uh, joint winners there then? Toby and uh, Chris from AVP Galaxy get our get, okay. Get a yeah. joint. Get the joint. Uh, well, award. luckily these no trophies are so easy to take apart that I can take one half and send that in the ether to Toby, <laughs> and the other half can wing its way over to to Chevy to Chris. From AVP Galaxy. Cool. Job done. This Excellent. is so easy. I don't know what the Oscars uh, 
get all their knickers in twist about organising this. This is this is just great. Um, what's our next category? Oh, uh, next is our favourite push mechanic of the year. <laughs> so uh, I see on. what you're doing here. Okay, well, well, we okay. do we do have a discussion about a new idea a bit later on, don't we, Matthew? Um, we do, we do, and this is obviously foreshadowing that discussion. That's clever. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I I'm gonna say I I love uh, the push mechanic in general because I love how it's different for all the different games and how well it then sort of sets the tone for that game. My least favourite push mechanic, I'm going to put it on the table now, is Darkness Points in Coriolis. Mm. But even that is great because with that push mechanic, I have players, you are one of those players, <laughs> that says, before we do this thing, let's just have a quick prayer. Yeah. Um, yeah, which you probably should have done before... Um, the last, going into that yeah, room yeah, yeah. In the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not let's well, not dwell on that. If, now, if, now. as a GM, you want to end the campaign there, but with the, our all horrible deaths, then yeah, it's up to you. Um, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll deal with that on Monday, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I already have so, my. So already... even that, even though that's the slightly clunkiest, and you know, I'm not quite sure. Well, I do know how I'm spending the 25 darkness points you've you've given me from praying in the last few weeks, but it's not going to be pleasant for you. Um, so there are better push mechanics. The stress mechanic in Alien, I really love um, because it just it so encapsulates the mm. story of Alien. Yeah. Um, so, so I think I think on both of those, I agree with you because I, I, I kind of hate is too strong a word, but... I'm irritated by darkness points at the same time that I think they are a wonderful tool. If the GM has the, uh, you know, the, the imagination to, to make them work, but it does, it does become, it can become a bit arbitrary. So, so like many GMs uh, with that, you, you do find you get a lot of darkness points and that kind of becomes a bit of a, a, a point of um, pressure for you as a GM, because you don't want to just get rid of those darkness points or just hand them, get rid of, you know, like hand wave the fact that they're there. But if you play them all out as rules was written, you're probably going to wipe out your group. Now that might be the right thing to do, but it might not be the most fun thing for the players. So I think there is, there is a question there um, because players will push. And for example, the situation we're in uh, for, with most of the icons is very similar to the situation we were in with Yafet and those group of characters, where you were spending dark, you were trying to use your pool of darkness points to make the the event, the the scene, a challenging one. But in order to get through that, we had to push the dice rolls. So we were always yes. so either we were going to fail early, or we were just feeding your darkness pool. And I've, that's going to happen on Monday as well, I think, because. We will have to push. Well, I think we were... I think the mechanics work a little bit differently on Monday. But what surprised me, and it you know, we're well, not surprised me. At, well, yes, it surprised me, but um, I should have predicted it. Is you know, you've already faced some pretty tough opposition. Yeah. For three non-combat players, effectively. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you're becoming more and more of a combat player as yeah. the campaign progresses. But that, that's his character—that's his character arc, pretty much. That he's gone from being a, a, absolutely, a, a yeah, kind of peaceful I mean, in, in pilot a way, investigator to a to a to much more combat focused. 
I quite enjoyed, even though that was quite a long combat session in the last session we played, I really did enjoy the, the actual, there was actual character development happening for all of you mm. in that combat, which is, I think, sometimes quite rare for combat. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, that was great. But I had got my darkness pool up till then down to what I thought was a pretty reasonable level for the final scene of the game. I'd been yeah. spending darkness points pretty um, liberally in the earlier sessions. Yeah. Um, you know, just so I could get it down. And now because of that combat you had with all those guys, you've put it back up to higher than it was before. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and now we're, we're, we're facing a monster that is literally everything it does is fueled by darkness points. Yeah. So it is going to be a challenge and therefore you're going to start, you know, praying and giving me more fuel yeah. for the monster. So this will be an interesting one to see how it works out. Yeah. So, so I think there's, there is that. And it's, it's, it's something that can be managed by the GM potentially. But again, it's it's a it's a tough one. It's particularly if you've got to follow rules as written. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then on the alien thing, I totally agree. But I do think there is a real risk with stress of overdoing it. And um, I've been going through the edits of Destroy of Worlds, and we've just come to the point where there was a bit of chain panic happening, and you you get so so there is a weakness to it. You're absolutely right. It does evoke the idea of alien perfectly. And the, 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 the advantage-disadvantage calculation when you push is beautiful in that it's going to help you to begin with, but eventually it's going to screw you up. Um, that's great, but I think there is a, a cautionary note for GMs of, of Alien of try not to have them rolling panic rolls too often if you can avoid it. Save it for the, the big you know, climaxes and finales. Because it can get a bit boring. Because if, if you've got players who play it a lot, and, you know... the particularly with I've run what four convention maybe five convention games four of which I wrote so they've been play tested with the same group of players largely um it's very easy that they know the panic table better than I do so they roll a panic and tell me what it is rather than the other end and that that I think takes away some of the atmosphere okay so but yeah um, facing conditions yeah. so yeah your yeah we still haven't got to your favorite push mechanic yet have we well, I, I think possibly Alien is my favourite, but I do want ah. to suggest uh, Vason as well. Um, now, this is Vason, and we have to include Tales of the Loop and Things from the Flood in that push mechanic as well, because basically you take a condition to push the dice, which yeah. really limits the opportunities you have for pushing the dice because you eventually break from, from yeah. um, taking conditions. Um, so I just wanted to talk about those. Um, I mean, for me at the moment, they're my favourite, particularly in Vason, where I don't feel anybody's ever gone, oh, I wish I could push my dice, but I haven't got enough uh, conditions to take. Um, mm. It feels to have been right for every one of the stories. I don't know whether that's because I'm being a soft GM. Um, and I haven't played Vason yet, have I, in any time? No, I think Verson uh, works really well because you've got both mental and physical conditions. Now, I think in Tales of the Loop, you basically have one condition. In effect, you have got four conditions, whereas yeah. in in Verson, you've got eight. So actually, you well, effectively um, six because the, yeah. the fourth one on either will break, will break you. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But that, but therefore, taking taking one condition. And therefore, losing a a die on one stat 
is is entirely. Um, I think it's easier to do it. It's easier to take that leap as a player in Versen than it is in Tales from the Loop or Things from the Flood. Um, and I love it. I think it's great. I think it's really good because you then choose which one you're going to take, whether you're going to be angry or frightened or or whatever the other ones are. And then, like you say, it really encourages role playing. It encourages you to, um, yeah, to, to to play out that condition, which is which is really good. Yeah, yeah. So, is that going to be our favourite for this year? I think, though, I think I probably agree with you that for the for the for the beautiful um, way it absolutely enshrines the whole sense of the game. I think stress in Alien is probably my winner. Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, and I think even those chain panic reactions feel in keeping with, um, well, particularly with something like Aliens. Where you did kind of you know see all the marines panicking, get slaughtered. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> what it does mean for some poor sap is that they end up um, uh, catatonic and then probably getting eaten by aliens. But there we go. That's you know <laughs> that's, that's the game. That's I, alien. Yeah, I, I I I you know we you've played a campaign of aliens. I think yeah. that might be that that stress mechanic might be more annoying. When playing a campaign, but in um, in, uh, in in you know in the short cinematics, nobody's got time to rage quit, so it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, Alien, Alien gets a prize for our favourite stress mechanic. Well done, year. Alien. Yes. Well done, Alien. I will. Um, have we got uh, Thomas here? To get, uh, <laughs> Andrew Gasket? No, no. Mm. Well, Andrew Gasket didn't do anything with the rules. Uh, well, well, we will. We can send accept that it. no well, trophy over to Sweden. Well, we can accept it on their behalf. We're both credited for Alien, you know, mate. We can't have our own trophies. You said that <laughs> earlier in this episode. But we're we'll ex- stick by them. consistency, mate. We're accepting it on behalf of, of Free League. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we can accept it on their behalf, Dave. Please accept this trophy on behalf oh. of Freely. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's such, I'm so pleased. It's just, just such an honour. <laughs> Excellent. Right, now, where are we now? What's uh, the next one? Accessory of the year. <laughs> and we're talking about gaming here, Matthew, not your personal life. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> um, so I uh, put this one slightly cheekily because... I remember last year you weren't that keen on dice mats and dice trays. <laughs> uh, no, you were no. a little bit sceptical about the dice trays and particularly the dice trays that we um, have ordered or I have ordered from All Rolled Up or bought from All Rolled Up. No, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think by that point I was sold on dice trays. I was definitely an anti-dice tray person for a long time thinking that they're kind of a waste of time and not necessary. Um, but I, I've been completely... Um, converted, and I now have more dice trays than I I, I need. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess for me, if that's if that's going to be, you know, if if the criteria for this prize is you know what's what's had the most kind of influence on you in that sense, then dice trays it's got to be for me. Um, with with thanks to Phil um, from all rolled up. Because that's where I got them all from, and they're all excellent. And they, two of them are sitting on my desk right now. One of them holding my dice. One of them for rolling my dice. Uh, well, yeah. Well, well, thanks to Phil, I should say you haven't got them all from all rolled up because 
you've got a couple. True. Well, you've got at least one effect dice tray. Well, all the ones that I bought, I got from all yes. rolled up. The ones that I don't know where you sourced. What well, compa- again, what I, I approached you initially saying, you know, could you do custom ones? And she was really kind to n- not take a cut, but to put me in touch with her supplier, who are Patriot Games ah, in Sheffield, cool. and who do do custom dice trays. And so uh, we have exactly the same as um, as all rolled up dice tray, but um, but made with our branding on, which is great. Yeah. And I know I do owe you one of our effect actual play ones. You actually, do because I've got it here by my side. I'm waiting. I for figured it. we'd meet face to face before now, but the, you know, then the lockdown happened, so mm. uh, I might have to put that in the post to you. Yeah, cool. Um, but dice trays, yeah, that's it. And you know, I've got more coming. I ordered uh, from, from Phil um, and the guys are all rolled up. I have kickstarted their uh, Elizabethan game. Ah, which yes. Probably we should be talking yeah. about for next year, but there's another dice tray coming there. So we will have plenty of dice trays between us. Uh, so, Phil, uh, of all rolled up, <laughs> please accept this no trophy on our behalf. On on your behalf, on your own behalf. That's what I mean. <laughs> we'll send it to you, as it were, um, through the ether. Okay. This is an interesting one, and it's a category I want you to explain to me, because you put it down. Favourite unplayed game. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so my thinking with this category was, I have loads of games um, that I don't ever get time to play. And I've bought quite a few games this year, uh, this last year, uh, that I haven't played and I may not get a chance to play anytime soon but I thought just as a um, you know we're talking about the things that we have been playing or we have been working on I wanted to give a little bit of love to some of those other games that that I've bought um, but I've got no sense of when I'm going to play them so that was my thinking behind behind this category that's an excellent category and thoroughly deserving of an award and I think it's one that too few awards uh, ceremonies include something like this. So, uh, so yeah, okay. Since you since you put the category forward, shall I go first? Yes, that sounds like a okay. good idea. So, um, yeah, like you, I have got a lot of games I haven't played, um, and this year it, that feels particularly poignant because we have played so much. As we said earlier on, we've played more this year than we've ever played before. Um, I look across now, you can hear me turning away from the mic to do it, um, at Phoenix Dawn Command, which is the card-based role-playing game I worked ah. the um, Christmas before last or birthday before last, and which is still sitting unopened on the shelf. Well, hmm. opened, but... I was going to say, uh, even unopened, blimey. Uh, no, no, the di- the, but, but the cards are not unwrapped. Right, um, okay. There's yeah. a lot of cards. Um but I am going to go with a little frippery I bought in the sort of uh, Black Friday sales. And this is a lovely little book that um, is just tiny and, and, and <laughs> cloth bound and gold. It's got gold leaf on the, uh, on the edges of the pages. I don't know whether it's real gold leaf, but it looks like a little Bible. And it is indeed the Bible edition of the cult Divinity Lost ah. game. Now, you've got Cult 2, and I don't think you've played it either. No. Um, and I haven't really. I, uh, my, my, my go-to game of choice for contemporary horror is Unknown Armies. So I haven't even really got a 
need to play cult. But when they um, kickstarted their cult revival a few years back, I I was vaguely interested in this sort of stretch goal or add-on, I can't remember, the Bible edition. But that's kind of, you know, I wanted it as a book more than as a thing. And then obviously um, they printed a few extra. Then they were for sale at Modifius for a bit and I toyed with it but never bought it. Uh, and they just reprinted it, and then there was a Black Friday sale, so that was a very cost-effective little purchase, even you know, coming um, uh, ordered direct from from uh, Helmgast. Uh, so that's the game I've got sitting on my table here, and I keep admiring it. Not only have I not played it, I don't particularly have an intention to play it. I mean, somebody starts a campaign up, I might, or even does a one-shot, I might go, oh yeah, I'm into that, I've got the rules. But... Um, but no, it's not even one I intend to play. But there mm. it sits. My favourite unplayed game of the year. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so many, actually. I mean, games that I've picked up in this last year or so that um, I haven't had a chance to play. So Cult is a really obvious example. It's it's a game I, I, I really want to play. And um, I... <sighs> I need to get myself in the mood for it, I think, <laughs> because it is pretty dark and pretty grim, but I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, other things that I've picked up this year, um, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplaying, I'm, I'm keen to give that a go, particularly because... Is that because the fourth of, edition or the revival of the first edition? No, that's the fourth edition. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did... I have to have first edition as well. I was reading that as well before I got fourth edition. But I want to give it a go. I... I, I fear that it wouldn't be as much fun playing as my nostalgic as we my nostalgic memories of playing it back in the day kind of want it to be um, other things I've got, i got Aegean from uh, a friend of the show Stu Goff, mm -hmm. uh, haven't had a chance to play that yet but I had a little read through the books and that's a, a really a nice little idea um, Vampire 5th Edition, I haven't played that yet <clears throat> no, no, that's not um, one I haven't played yet yeah. and, and then also I was um, one of our friends of the show patrons um, Pete Taylor sent me uh, Cyberpunk Red and I'm kind mm -hmm. of on a bound to run that at some point which again I'd very much like to um, which one of those is my favourite unplayed game Oof. I think of those, probably Cult gets there because having looked at it and read it it's it's it looks great and it looks so dark and the kind of stories you'll be able to tell with it i think are going to be those kind of stories that are going to be very very memorable um okay so are we concluding that we are <clears throat> uh, in rare agreement over this issue uh, this may be the unplayed game of the year are we concluding that it deserves this prize because it is so good that neither of us want to play it <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if well I no I I'm just going to amend that comment. I think it's it's so good that neither of us want to play it without making the most of it. And I right. think making the most of it probably means we need to invest quite a bit of time to get it in the right place for a really good game. It's not a game you're going to dip into, I think, and just pick up the book and run a game to make it to yeah. make it good. I think to make it good with the horror elements that are in it, you have to justify those horror elements. And to justify them, you need to have a story that goes with them, and uh, you know all the 
all the the, you know, the, the the backstories of characters and the justifications and the motivations as to why these things are happening, rather than just throwing a game out there where horrible things are being done simply for the sake of doing horrible things for the players to get shock. Right. I am going to give it one other criticism. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Mm. Now, you've not had much experience of those. No, not a lot. Few. Yeah. This has got an awful lot of words in the book for a Powered yeah. by the Apocalypse game. An awful lot of words. Mm. Um, so uh, to get myself into the right mindset to play it, uh, I, I, I compare it with my favourite Powered by the Apocalypse game, which is The Warren, uh, which I've mm. badgered on about before. Uh, which, you've, there, which you've rabbited on about a lot. Rabbited on. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Uh, well, I think there are badges in it too. Um, <laughs> I've rabbited on about the Warren because it is almost a pick-up-and-play game. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I could take a little kit in my back pocket and... You know, we could have a game there and then. Simple concept. Everybody rolls up a character really quickly. Um, this has got a lot more words just to get into. Yeah. And I think that may be another barrier, to, another reason why I haven't just had a game. It's it's really interesting because I, I think that you for a game like Cult, you need almost need that barrier because mm. barrier is the wrong word. You need that... Um, apprenticeship almost or for want of a better word of actually getting into it in the way it's because the content is so grim it's it's really not something you'd want to pick up and go i don't think i think you'd want to be involved in the story um, but it's also interesting that one of my kind of criticisms of of both warhammer fantasy roleplay and vampire is exactly the same as that too many words to mm-hmm. the barrier of getting into the book, but I know I didn't really feel that with cult, um, so I don't know why. Maybe maybe I'm just unconsciously biased towards cult because I want I've wanted to play it for a long time. Maybe. Okay, right. Let's move on to what is our unalloyed game of the year. Oh. Um. I okay. Verson. Yeah. I think for me, and my Verson story is an interesting one. I kickstarted it without being massively interested in it, just because, you know, we do a podcast about Year Zero games. Yeah. And it's a Year Zero game. Um, uh, and it looked lovely. You know, I definitely, you know, I went for the deluxe edition of this because it was, uh, I really liked the cloth bound cover. Um, but I didn't, imagine it would be as much fun to mm-hmm. run as it has been this no. year. I had I agree. no idea that it would be such good fun. And you're right. There aren't particularly any special mechanics for encouraging role-playing, but somehow the setting, the, 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 the spirit just, of the game... It kind of just comes... Com- yeah, marvellous com- role-playing. It comes off the page. It's almost like written between the lines... Yeah, something. It's just it's it's slightly intangible, um, mm. but I think but I think the way the book is designed, the way the book is is laid out, the artwork is just again it, it's such a hook, and it's it draws you into that world. Yeah, as 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 strongly as if you know you got up and you you went there, and it's um yeah it's it, it it's got such a good feel about it, and it's it's interesting because it's. It's Nordic horror, 
but it, it's horror. It's almost like superstitious horror. It's mm-hmm. fairy fairy tale horror. So there is still horror. There are still horrible things happening. You know, in the first game that we played, we probably should all have drowned. You know, mm-hmm. and then the kraken dragging us under the water. Um, in the second game, you know, we should all probably have been torn limb from limb by this this beast that had been summoned. So uh, there is definite horror there, but it's done in a way that there's almost a sense of kind of wonder about it as well. These things aren't just horrible monsters to fight. There is, there's a reason that they're there. There is, there is, there, you know, they are embedded in the landscape and they're embedded in the environment and the superstitions of, of, of the, the North. And that takes, so, and that gives it a totally different feel to a game like, uh, like Cult, for example, um, mm-hmm. or Cthulhu even. And I think that is what gives it, it gives it that charm at the same time as having that horrific edge to it. It's great. I'm, I'm like you, I hadn't expected an awful lot from it. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I backed it as well. Um, obviously delighted to do that anyway, because it's a great addition to, to your collection. But I, I've been surprised at how much I've loved playing the game. And how how well it's uh, how well it's brought out kind of the best in role playing. Actually, I think it's it's great. Yeah, absolutely, uh, deserved prize. Honorable mention though has to go to Merc Boy Year, which may I haven't may played have that been yet, the end of so... last year, but I only played it this year. Um, I wasn't expecting that to be fun to run, uh, and that um, that's been some of my favorite online sessions mm-hmm. um uh and it's some one of our some of our most popular videos on our channel as well mm. um, so uh that that encouraging encourages an entirely different form of role playing but it does seem to again what what that encourages you to do kind of comes from between the lines so uh an honorable second place to Merc boy yeah but mm-hmm. uh Vason wins this year's ultimate prize. Okay, the... um, I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've resisted correcting your pronunciation. It's not Vason, it's Verson. Yeah, Verson, Vason. It's all the same. It's not the same. <laughs> it's it's wrong. So if oh, you know, where did if I you, hear? I heard somebody you, uh, reviewing it, calling Vason. Yeah, that's to- that's even it's even more wrong than you are. So if yeah. you see, if you see it written in Swedish, it's there aren't six letters in it. There's five. And the second letter is the letter E, which is an A with two dots above it. Okay, Versen then. So it's pronounced Versen, yeah. Versen. Brilliant. Okay, but well, well done, Versen. After game. a year. <laughs> you could have mentioned that before. I did. I did. You just ignore me. So I don't want to be- become one of those nagging types. Oh, it's Versen. You keep saying. <laughs> you keep saying. Well, you keep correcting Versen. me now. Shut up. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to award a prize here. I've got the <laughs> no trophy in my hand. Go on, then get on with it. I am sending <clears throat> it to uh, Thomas um, and Nils. Post haste and Nils and another Nils. Um, great game. Great yep. game. Well done. Really good game. Right now, the next category we've got is a really interesting one. Um, <laughs> this is the fifth favorite podcast of the year. So, so this is the this is the most self congratulatory prize, <laughs> <laughs> which goes to the Effect Podcast. Woo-hoo! Oh, we can award ourselves. So, so yeah, this isn't us uh, nominating this one, um, but uh, this is our thank you to all our listeners. Yep. 
um, who voted on the N-World favourite podcast poll that they do in November. Next year, I will remember what I've put the date in my diary so that when it's due out the nominations and stuff, I'll do a better marketing campaign to <laughs> make people aware of it. Because this one almost entirely passed us by, but still we managed to get... Well, the most exciting thing for me was discovering... First of all, they put a post out on their um, on their website saying, who do you want to nominate on, mm. on their forum? Well, they put it on their website and then they link you to their forums and you put down a nomination uh, in the comments. And um, the very first nomination was for the effect podcast that's brilliant isn't it yeah so that at that point i felt we'd already won um (laughs) even though uh uh then obviously you know i realized oh and the people are voting on this we need to encourage our people to vote but we didn't encourage our people to vote on the show it just fell between shows for us um so if you follow us on social media you would have seen me saying oh look there's this poll and we're nominated vote for us but not our listeners necessarily, but I'm sure a good chunk of our listeners uh, must have voted for us as well oh, yeah. because we got fifth place. I know. That's brilliant. And again, you know, huge thanks to anyone and everybody who who voted for us. Um, huge thanks to anybody who's even ever dipped in to listen to any of, of what we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, fifth. Uh, yeah, didn't, we're, never... we're just, uh, I think we're only two spaces down from Ken and Robin talking about stuff. Oh, wow. must be one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Hmm. Yeah, uh, brilliant. So, yeah, just thank you. Thank you yes. all to everybody. Uh, thank you to um, uh, Not Russell Crowe, who nominated us in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and thank you to everybody who voted for us. It's such an honour to know that people actually like what we do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, an honour and, and a bit of a shock, frankly, <laughs> considering our, um, level of, our level of professionalism. In all of this, you know this this section. I said we've got to cover about twenty minutes. We've gone on for about an hour. An hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're never never knowingly uh, under loquacious, are we? So I think that's uh, that's the um, that's the awards for this year. Uh, well done, all the winners. Congratulations, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do it again next year. Yeah, and oh, do highlight- be careful polishing those no trophies. They are really fragile. <laughs> Clearly, this is going to become the calendar event of the role-playing year. The, 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 is, the, is. The, the effect no trophies. Yes. So get Excellent. It in, get it in your diary for next year. Woo! Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, there'll be more nominations next year because people will really want one of those prized no trophies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right now, uh, we have this has taken on. us a long time, and uh, we still want to talk about push mechanics. We do one more conversation about push mechanics. So you have come up with some idea that was stopping you working on Tales of the Old West. So um, let's let's hear what you got to say about that. This is not what I should be doing right now. What I should be doing now is reviewing the early stages of the life path system I penned for our Tales of the Old West game. But I will do that just as soon as I've got this out of my brain. I blame Millie. On our Patreon-exclusive Discord, Millie mentioned that a nemesis was biting his thumb at her. 
Such a Shakespearean turn of phrase got me thinking about one of my favourite movies of all time, Baz Luhrmann's version of Romeo and Juliet. I lost count of the number of times I've seen it, including 14 times at the cinema during its first run. In my defence, the cinema was offering very cheap tickets, as it was about to close down, and I was living without a TV. I have long toyed with the idea of making a game set in Verona Beach, the fictional Mesoamerican city where it is set. Over Christmas, I had an idea about how the Year Zero's engine might be adapted to run just such a game. Now, I'm not going to create the game as a whole, but I thought my idea might serve as a practical thought experiment if you are considering adapting the Year Zero system to a fiction or franchise that you love, or a world of your own making. As we have seen with Alien and Tales from the Loop especially, the push mechanic can do a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to making the engine fit the fiction. The stress points and dice of Alien manage to emulate the fiction so well, both in making characters more likely to achieve incredible success as their stress level rises, and in sabotaging that success with panic rolls which temporarily take control of the character's action away from the player. Frequently, the player's decision to push and the resulting dice rolls create scenes which people say might have come right out of the movies. Similarly, the simple cost of pushing in Tales from the Loop and Things from the Flood, and later Thersen, taking a condition really adds to the role-playing potential of those games. I personally think that the take-a-condition-to-push mechanic works best in Tales because, to recover, you have to describe a scene with their anchor, a friend, parent, teacher or neighbour, wherein the kid is looked after for a while. These scenes go a long way to emulating the sort of domestic scenes we saw in kids' TV of the 80s, or even more modern TV, so they help the game emulate a specific form of fiction. So, what is the fictional world of Romeo and Juliet, or more specifically, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet? It is a world of blessed pistols, the likes of the sword 9mm that never seem to break, so the idea of getting gear damage from pushing your rolls like Mutant Year Zero or Forbidden Lands isn't appropriate here. It's not a story of losing control either. All the characters are active protagonists, even if the decisions they make are not the wisest. It is a Catholic world. In the Italian story, and given the iconography of Verona Beach, in the movie too. So the karmic cost of prayer in Coriolis doesn't fit here either. But it is a story of passions, love, hate, loyalty, etc. and obligations to family, to the church, to your friends and to revenge. And of course it's a story about relationships. So these passions or obligations should involve other characters, player characters or non-player characters, and organisations, families or gangs. 
it is also about teenagers. Fickle, inconstant teenagers. Romeo was moping after Rosaline before he got a hard-on for Juliet, so the loyalties and passions should not be set in stone before the game, but flexible and changing in play. For this reason, I suggest that when a player pushes a die roll, they declare a passion. I imagine a set number of passions printed on the character sheet. Right now, I'm thinking of a defined list. Love and hate, obviously. Loyalty and vengeance, too. And most of these can be a relationship with an organisation or an individual. Except for love. Love in this game should be hard, wet, sexual lust for an individual. Familial love, such as that expressed by Romeo for Tybalt after he has married Juliet, might be another passion, but it needs a different name. I think there should also be a passion of opposition, which is not as vehement as hate. All Capulets can declare themselves in opposition to Montagues, but only Tybalt hates peace or Montagues and thee. And if opposition is a lesser alternative to hate, maybe familial or fraternal love could be called an affiliation. The object of your passion does not have to be different for each one. So it is possible to have obligations of opposition, hate and vengeance towards one person, like Tybalt, for example. It may even be possible to have contradictory obligations of association or affiliation and hate, for example, towards the same person or organisation. So this list gives five or six pushes in a game unless the player can free up a passion and use it again. Once a passion is declared, it comes with an obligation, a thing you must do to acknowledge your passion. Having sex with the object of your love, for example, redeems that obligation and leaves your love passion box free to check again for Juliet or for someone else. Entering into combat, not winning it, note, with the person you hate, redeems your obligation and frees up the hate passion to name the same person again, or someone else, or something else. Biting your thumb at a group you oppose clears your opposition obligation, but these are not the only specific ways of buying off each obligation. Juliet took a sleeping draught for her love of Romeo, for example. The person you expressed loyalty to might give you a task to complete. My intention is that redeeming an obligation should create drama in the game. It might change the direction of the story, or at the very least make the players or player describe a dramatic scene that adds to the tapestry of the story. Obligations in this game carry over between adventures, so in a Verona beach set campaign, the next adventure might actually be based around one character's unredeemed obligation. With changing obligations, a campaign of Verona beach should feel like a telenovela. With beautiful 9mm pistols, with names like sword, rapier and dagger.
So I, I have to start with a bit of a confession. Um, Romeo and Juliet, for one, isn't one of my favourite Shakespeare plays. And I've never seen the, uh, what is it, Baz Luzman's version? That Baz Luhrmann version of Baz Romeo Lerman. and Juliet. Yeah, so I've never seen that. My um, family watched it last night and my daughter said, seriously, she thinks it is the best film ever made. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we watched it, you know, I, I've watched it, uh, I watched it umpteen times at the cinema, 14 or 16 yeah, times yeah. or something. I, uh, and every time, you know, it's not like you can be spoiled by the story of Romeo and Juliet. You know exactly what's going to happen. So yeah. it's not one where you get spoiled. I, well, I find it's not one that gets spoiled to watch. I just relish being in that world. Hmm. And the design of that world that they create, Verona Beach, is one that, really makes me want to play a role-playing game in it. Mm. Um, well, it has done it. I mean, on, on and off. And I know it's my thing, um, and it's not um, It's not particularly... Nobody's come to me going, oh, I really want to play in the Verona Beach of um, Romeo and Juliet. So it's not a thing I've seriously developed. But just before um, Christmas, as, as I say in the recorded piece, it's Millie's fault, again. You know, mm-hmm. she um, bit her thumb at somebody on the... Yeah on the discord and it made me think about the film and then I couldn't get it out of my head no. uh, working out how would you do a push mechanic for um, for Romeo and Juliet so we did a push mechanic that's it I, I mean I think it's um, kind of a, I thought it was useful for the show because it might you know just unpacked the train of thought about creating mm. a push mechanic for well, uh, a setting that you have in mind or not you personally <clears throat> that one has in mind or if one wants to take the 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 story world of another IP and and tailor a push mechanic to that, so I thought it was worth sharing. Basically, this new year, I'm not going to be producing Verona Beach, the role playing game. No, that that's fine. I'm just I've got I've got a couple of questions. I'm just waiting for you to run down because you're just like <laughs> talking on. Okay, well, I, I, I can't I get this. a word in anyway. Ask away. Ask <clears throat> ask questions because I can talk for hours about this subject. Uh, I know. Well, I, I'll ask a question, then I'll just go and get myself a cup of coffee and some breakfast, and I'll come back. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I like the idea of the the the, the passions thing, and it, it it feels to me that it it would it, it's a good way again of encouraging good role playing in in a similar way that that we talked about with Verson um, and Tales from the Loop and the others. Um, I, I can you unpack for me a little bit how it actually works? So having having listened to that uh, a couple of times, um, you've got your passions. They will come with some form of opposition or obligation that you then need to dis- yes. discharge in order to um, allow yourself to push again with the same passion. Okay, um, so I think um, the passion concept. Uh, came from uh, we first saw the concept of passions in um, in Pendragon where in character creation and potentially in play you you get passions and um, essentially you can use those to effectively augment your roles so uh, if you hate Saxons and you're about to um, fight a Saxon you can roll on your hate passions um, uh, your, your hate on your hate Saxon passion, and if it turns out that you've you've scored under your passion, then yeah, you can add that bonus to um, 
to your role on actually hitting the bloke. Which, so which, worked, which, which worked quite well for for Gorthin when he had hate passions of hate Saxon passion of nineteen, yeah. <laughs> and had, had to roll under that on a d twenty, and then he get a big bonus to smacking Saxons around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, and and that's been you know um, th- that was such a good mechanic that in the latest version of RuneQuest they've actually ported it into RuneQuest as well. So ah, okay. you know it, it it's it's got some history, but there's a couple of things there. I mean, you know, I thought, oh well, obviously. Romeo and Juliet is all about passion. Maybe we could use that passion mechanic, you know, something like that passion mechanic there. But one of the problems with that is your your passions are kind of defined at the beginning of the game in character creation. And yes, yeah. you you can build other ones with certain events, but they're kind of locked in place. And one of the things that I like about Romeo and Juliet as a story is when we meet Romeo, he's all over his love for Rosaline, who we never actually see in the play. Yeah. Uh, and But she's rejected him and he can think of nothing but Rosaline until he meets Juliet. And then he can think nothing but Juliet. So I, I you know, this is a game about teenagers having crushes and hard-ons for each other. Um, and, and so... I wanted to be as fickle. I wanted my passions to be more fickle than that and not as um, set in stone as they are in Pendragon. So I thought, okay, yeah. first of all, you've got a number of passion slots and you can fill those passion slots on the spur of the moment with, um, I've decided today I hate uh, Tybalt, Prince of Cats. Um, and that, and, and that, so... When you want to push a role, you have to have an empty passion slot. You have to justify why um, one of those passions will work in this situation. And then you say, because I oppose um, the Montagues, I, um, I'm going to push this role. Or because I hate so-and-so, or because I love so-and-so, or because I'm affiliated to the Capulets, I'm going to do this. And... So these passions, I, w- I wanted to include um, op- opposed and affiliated as sort of lesser forms of love and hate. Because yeah. um, not last night, but the time before I uh, watched it, which was like two days before. <laughs> See, <laughs> you, need, you, need to, you need to broaden your watching spectrum here, Matthew. If, you, if you're watching this um, every other day. Well, I had it on. I had it on when I was when I was working all this stuff out. Just, mm. So I wasn't actually watching it. Okay. It was in the background. Um, and I realised that um, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Something quite important. Damn! Entirely. <laughs> um, you were working things out. Yeah, but before then, what did I say? Ah, uh, oh, shit! Obviously, I'll edit this bit out. Let it was some. It was something about um, the lesser versions. Oh know, yes. of affiliations. Yes. And, and so. That, yeah. um, so I realised watching the film that um, that you know there there is an affiliation to the gang that you're in, but there is also and Tybalt expresses this an absolute hatred of the opposite the opposing gang. So yeah. <clears throat> um, a lot a lot of um, uh, the Montagues, uh, Romeo's cousins, kind of treat it a little bit as a game. They know that they have to stand in opposition, that they're affiliated to one, they must oppose the other. So I wanted to have kind of things that weren't hate and yeah. uh, love, but but could operate under that. 
Um, it's, it seemed to me that I, one of your one of your one of your ideas there for, for love, the the sort of the Romeo's love for Juliet, could probably be lust rather than love at that point. Maybe. Well, I did consider that, uh, but then you know the language of Romeo and Juliet is all about love, even though he's talking about lust. So I yeah. thought, no, I've got to use the love that we're describing when we talk about love is, um, as I say, hot, wet. Body love. Oh yeah, I wish you hadn't said it like that. Frankly, <laughs> <laughs> but it's too late now. Um, and so that, and I think there'd be a rule that you can't have hot, wet, horny love for your car <laughs> or for an organisation. You can only have it for somebody else yeah. who can reciprocate or choose not to. Um, so yeah, you you can if you've got an empty slot, you can fill it with something appropriate. Then. So that's your passion. And then you get your re-rolled dice. But what that leaves you then is an obligation to, to empty that slot. You need to do something yeah. uh, to redeem the obligation that that passion gives you. So if you, if you re-roll your dice out of loyalty to your gang, then um, you, you have to... Um, do something for your gang to to get that off. Now that might happen straight away in the very next turn. You know, if if yeah. I if I if I'm shooting at Tybalt, Prince of Cats, and um, I yeah, roll the dice because I've missed, and I I say oh, I want to push this. I really hate Tybalt. I want to push this. I kick that off, but then my ne- obligation for my next action is probably going to be to shoot him again. <laughs> So, 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 so I think that's I think that's really interesting. I like the idea that your passion then comes with you know, an obligation in order to kind of discharge it. Um, I think in the the example you were using there, I think um, it works really well in those kind of immediate situations. So, so take the you know the loyalty example. So you push your role because you've got a passion of loyalty to your gang for whatever it is you're trying to achieve for your gang. The obligation. Could the you know? I guess in that sense, in that situation, would depend on what you know was going yes. on. So, so the obligation might be. So you might be pushing the loyalty um, to the gang because you are, let's say, trying to steal something from another gang. The obligation would then be to provide that item that you're going to steal to the gang. Well, or yes, or it might Does, be. I think something entirely different. Uh, so if, if the loyalty one. Um, you know, it may be uh, head honcho um, Capulet says, "I want you to do this thing." You know, but that, but that's not that. that's not a push mechanic thing, though, is it? That's a that's a kind of well, a game no, so that, thing. But that's that's your obligation. So maybe you have to go to the gag and say, uh, effectively, what do you <clears> want <throat> me to do so that I can clear my obligation. So, or alternatively, is there is there two ways of doing it? That actually, so you have you have your passion and your obligation. Your obligation might come before you get the passion. So the the obligation is that the gang leader says, "You go and kill that low level gang guy because he's been looking at my daughter." Say, um, you then get that obligation. So maybe it works both ways round. So you, you you can get an obligation, and that can fuel your passion for the role, mm-hmm. or your passion makes you make a role, and that fuels the obligation you've then got to discharge. Did that get a bit complicated, though? Because uh, my other point about it was, I think it works really well in those kind of situations which are immediate and where, you know, your your love or hate of somebody would immediately lead you to do something. But then that almost 
quite often is going to become an obligation straight away or it will discharge the obligation straight away. So that kind of devalues the passion obligation part of the mechanic a little bit. But also, how, how does it work then if you are using your passion of loyalty to the gang to unpick a lock on a door to do something, say, or to break into a house through a window? Or how does it, how does it work in that situation where it's not so immediately um, kind of like action dynamic, for want of a better way? Okay, so yeah, I, I I think it doesn't get discharged. It's a thing, you know. You may say, okay, well, I've really got to break into this house, um, uh, and I it may well be that I've got to break into this house because the story demands that my gang has said steal this thing. Yeah, uh, obviously, therefore, the, I've still got the loyalty um, box unchecked. That's what I'll I'll roll my. That's the appropriate one then to say this is why I'm pushing my dice. But then that one does doesn't necessarily get filled straight away. If you can't see the obvious obligation, it may be something that the GM says to you later on. No, you're going to have to do something else to get that obligation undone. And that may be a thing that the GM says. Right. Well. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, you've now got the thing you've stolen and you've got to get it back to the safe house or whatever in opposition. Or um, you may say, well, as you know, no, no. Um, uh, boss man's going to call you in for a meeting at the beginning of the next adventure. And we're going to make this, this is why I suggest it could become a thing that carries over and actually drives the story a bit more than um, than the conditions in, in very, Mm. Um, and so it becomes a positive role-playing tool that it may be that well oh, I can't clear that obligation yet because I don't know how to clear it and the so, GM says well I will I I have a way for you to clear it so this I guess I, so I guess the question is though if you are invoking your loyalty to your gang to break into a through a door what and you know and you have to take an obligation because you've used that loyalty to push what is that obligation going to be well, it doesn't necessarily need to be decided straight away, right? You so, just, but it, but it does block out that you still, yeah. there's still, so you, you've lost that slot for pushing because you've done exactly. it exactly, even yeah. though the obligation is as yet unformed. Yes, right. So you tick the box. There's got to be an obligation, but you don't necessarily know what the obligation is until yeah. you and the GM have thought of it. Right. And okay. sometimes it may be really obvious, like yeah, I really want to kill um, Tybalt. Yeah. So I'm going to push my dice. I hit him. Bang. Uh, oh, I can, you know, now I can clear that by shooting him again. Bang. Uh, now I need to push my dice again. Bang. Right, yeah. So, so in that situation, the second shot, yeah. you, could, you couldn't push it. Because you've the got the second one, you couldn't push it, but it you've would got, clear your because, yeah. obligation for a potential third shot. Yeah, because you've got an obligation. The second shot clears that ob- obligation, allowing you to then take another obligation for the third shot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that came to be watching the uh, climactic moment when Romeo kills Tybalt, where he's pleading with him not to have to fight, but then when he does, he just goes bang, 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 bang. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I, I like it. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I, in fact, I think I really like it. I think the uh, there would need to be a bit more work about how that mechanic would work in a variety of situations. Yes, and I'm not entirely sure that I've got the 
definitive list. But I got a list that may, <clears throat> meant that I could then get back to working on uh, <laughs> Tales of the Old Westerns, which yeah. was so that did the job, and I have been doing that since. Cool. So, well, um, well done. We'll see. You know, if if, if our listeners suddenly start clamouring for uh, a, a Verona Beach game, then we may have to return to this subject in a later podcast. After, after we've finished Toto, yeah. Yeah. No, cool. Good. I like it. I, it it's, 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 yeah, I'm all for mechanics that help encourage role-playing. Um, and I think that, that's, that fits the bill really nicely, actually. That's good. Well done. Cool. So, cool. what's next? Looking at the year 2021, this, as you're listening if you if you've downloaded it straight away, this is the first day of twenty twenty one. What does the year hold for us all in the industry uh, and the hobby? Brighter horizons, I guess. I think things can only get better. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, so what what games are we uh, looking forward to? Um, well, obvious ones coming out. Uh, Dune is an obvious one. Which, although uh, after my many many months of protestations and all the rest of it, I did I did back I did pre-order it in the end. Um, well done. I, well, I I should get a commission on that one because I'm pretty sure I convinced you in the last episode to, to order it, even though I'm not ordering it. <laughs> but you know I I'm lucky enough to be able to buy quite a lot of games, even though I know I'm not going to play them. Um, mm-hmm. Consider myself a bit of a collector in that sense. Well, and we do need fuel for next year's uh, best unplayed game <laughs> yeah. should we record this now so june wins june rpg is the best unplayed game no, no, 2021 no, no. Be an even better unplayed game when yeah no so, so the thing is i mean you know it's just it's just my 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 problems with the 2d20 system and it's not the core mechanic that i hate it's just the stuff that goes behind it and the way it's done i don't hate it but it's just not good good enough don't bore um, our listeners with no i know i know i know once i get once i get going um so <laughs> um but i've got it uh i'm interested to see it i'm interested to see how they change the mechanic if they do change the mechanic at all uh and then there's the whole uh, building your house element which i think i'm quite interested in as well um what else is there coming next year that we should expect twilight 2000 oh yeah twilight 2000 um can I be a bit heretical? Be a bit heretical. <laughs> I'm not sure I care very much anymore about Twilight 2000. <laughs> uh, I, th- well, I think, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I can dig that because I've, I mean, I've, you know, I've uh, kickstarted it, but it's never been a brand that I've particularly cared much for or enjoyed even. It is. It is a brand I've cared for, and it is a brand I've really enjoyed uh, on the you know the few few occasions I've played it. <clears throat> I think. I think I just need. I need to forget about it until the actual hard copy book arrives, or unless uh, you know, unless our friend of the show Andy runs a game, which I'd, then I'd like to get involved with, because there's I don't know there's there's too much noise around it. I think is my problem. Um. And there's a lot of noise about the bits of the game that I'm not really very interested in, you know, about the difference between a T1915 tank and a T1915.2 tank. 
You know, uh, mm. that's not what I, I want the game for. I also... Just the, the, briefly, the, the, coming back to um, uh, Romeo and Juliet, one of the fabulous things about that is they've all got guns that are clearly labelled sword 9mm or rapier 9mm or yeah. dagger 9mm. They're all guns. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, they've got a fancy name, they look good, but actually they do the same thing. Sorry, carry on. Although I think I think that's I I do want a bit of that crunch. Um because you know, I think the idea of having a variety of weapons you can choose is absolutely fine. But uh, I think there's it's going into that level of detail just is just too too much for me, I think, at the moment. And maybe that's just because I've got so many other things going on that my head just hasn't got space to try and get into that level of detail at the moment but um yeah i i don't know i'm I'm just a bit kind of world weary with it i think um and I, I need somebody to i need andy to to restore my my twilight 2000 mojo by running a little short one-shot game and then well, I'm, that then is I'm something, sure. hopefully, that we can promise in the early part of the new year. And yeah. I was hoping to run one last night, I think, or the night before, but yeah. things got in the way. So um, if we can do one with Andy running it, we will. I think, yeah, and, and Andy being, you know, we know it'll be a good game that he'll run and he'll run it well. So it would be a good example of, of how it can work. So, yeah, I I, I shouldn't be too hard on it. I'm, um, You know, the... the it's got all the usual wonderful quality and standards and everything that you expect. It's, um, yeah, I, I think I just need a bit of quiet space to, to enjoy it rather than, um, you know, listen to a lot of the stuff that's going on around it, which is entirely in my gift. So I just need to stop reading stuff that I see uh, that isn't helping me get into the game. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else? Um, other games I'm looking forward to. Well, we should get the uh, proper edition of Troubleshooters out. Oh yeah, I am very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I had uh, I had, I had the joy of um, as I told you before. I think one of the games that I I would love to run of Troubleshooters is a um, Hercule Poirot style Death on the Nile or something similar. Mm-hmm. And I and I had the joy a couple of days ago of just sitting on the sofa, having taken the dog for a walk, put the telly on, and lo and behold, it was Death on the Nile with um, the Peter, Peter Ustinov Peter Ustinov version. Yeah, oh. absolutely brilliant. So I, I, my wife rolled her eyes. You know, not this again. Um, but I sat there and watched it all, and it was it was wonderful, brilliantly uh-huh. brilliant film, brilliant film. So I'm really looking forward to Troubleshooters because for me anyway, it feels to me that that's the kind of setting and kind of feeling it's going to be perfect to evoke yeah we'll have to give that a go yeah um now i don't know whether it's actually going to come out next year but rivers of london and yes um, basic role-playing i quite like the look of that one um Um, are we are we getting are we getting the year zero cthulhu next year do we think this year yeah, can't give a toss about that, though, frankly. <laughs> well, it won't be any good, will it? But I'll be interested to see it. Um, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I've never been mad keen on Cthulhu as a genre. Um, you know, we've had okay. some good games yeah. in the past. I'm playing a game now, but it's um, 
Yeah, I've always, yeah. I've always been a big fan of Cthulhu, as you know. So uh, mm. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing that when that comes out. See what they've done with it. Um, I tell you what, I think uh, the guys behind Merkborg are doing Sarenborg, and I hope yes. that's going to come out next year because yep. that one I might really enjoy. Hmm. Um, yeah, I need to give Mer- uh, Merk Boy a, a, a go at some point because I've I haven't owned, I haven't bought it, and I haven't played it so. Uh, but I've only heard good things from the likes of you and Phil and others. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that was weirdly the biggest game of last year. Um, um, not weirdly, mm. but I think it's got, <laughs> it's got an amazing popularity and so much stuff generated for it. Yeah. Um, by by its community, a really mm. passionate community. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, anything else we're looking forward to next year? I'm looking forward to a physical convention. Oh, wouldn't it be fingers, nice? Fingers crossed. So, uh, so the first hope. one that um, is up for cancellation um, is uh, <laughs> June's UK Games Expo. It'd be lovely if that happened, but it may be a bit too close. I think there's a chance if if the government comes through and all their claims about getting however many vaccines out and about by met by March. Then we might be, we might be there by then. Um, yeah, but we've we've been optimistic before and been proven wrong. So no, we have. It, it remains fingers crossed, I guess, for that one. Although we were remarkably lucky uh, with our with our face to faces, but uh, Dragon Meat, yeah. I think, is yeah. the one that I'm thinking might actually happen. I'm being less optimistic. That is that is quite un that is quite unoptimistic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. pessimistic. Pessimistic. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's January the first now. Hopefully, when this goes out, so fingers mm-hmm. crossed. You never know. You never know. Okay. Um, but certainly, sometime in 2021, I want to be at a physical convention, having a beer or a whiskey late at night with some of my wonderful friends and colleagues in this community. Exactly. Um, no, I really missed. Uh, really missed yeah, this year. Me too. Me too. Um, I don't think we need to talk. Well, one thing I'd like to see improved is we talked about online tools earlier on. I have high hopes for Roll, the platform R O L E. It's got acoustic issues, which you know I think is interesting. Having uh, some of the acoustic issues that we've encountered with Streamyard, that uh, I think it is a weirdness of various browsers, but it's a tough thing to solve. Okay. But when they yeah. solve it, I think that might be a lovely platform. Yeah, um, I did. I didn't back that, and I haven't looked into it. So um, I'll be interested to see what how it runs when it comes to it. I, yeah. I think with a, with a lot of these VTTs, there seems to be such a lot of effort up front, and actually, for some of them, you need to know what you're doing as well with sort of computing stuff. And yes. that's that's not me, you know. No, so um, Roll is pretty good. Um, at, in, if you like, just being one step above Zoom. Yeah, it's kind of Zoom with a dice roller. Which I think is what um, you want, yeah, and and maybe something that allows the players to to indicate on the on the shared screen as yep, well. That yeah, that, that's there yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so there's a slight, there's a sort of a shared assets drawer or something that you yeah. put things in, and then people can move their own tokens about. So that's got real potential for being a bit more than Zoom, but not getting in the way yeah. of role playing. Um, yeah. I have no cool. idea what my what what will be our nominations for favourite accessory of the year next time, but um, 
Oh, I know. Yeah, this is the thing I was meant to be talking about. Uh, so the game I'm looking forward to is the D sanction from the guys that all rolled up. Yeah. Um, and that's coming to me with, I went for uh, uh, quite a high level backing on that one. So getting a new all rolled up um, dice bag and ah. a, an exclusive dice tray. Cool. So that's, nice. I think, the game I'm most looking forward to next year, actually. Cool. Yeah. Should we call good. it quits? We've Let's been call on it quits. We've quite been, some time. It's been a long one. Uh, so, yeah. Um, happy New Year, everybody. Uh, all the best for it being a wonderful, wonderful year with bright horizons and lots of gaming. And, um, yeah, so it's goodbye for me. Uh, it's not quite goodbye from uh, him <laughs> yet because I think uh, we just... On our next episode in about three weeks' time, I think we're looking at... Um, Acid crits and electrical crits, aren't we, Dave? Isn't that your homework? Yes, yes, that's fine. We can do that. No trouble. Uh, but until then, uh, it's goodbye from me. And I've already said goodbye. And may the icons bless your adventures. And may the icons bless 2021. <laughs> they obviously didn't bless 2020, did they? No. It was without their blessings, it seems. No. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.